Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Good Sunday evening. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And this has been kind of a special thematic show today. Yes, Mother's Day, but uh, that was not the theme. This was about voices from downstate. And in these very politically, regionally polarized times, I thought it was very beneficial that we kind of go past and look beyond the tri-state tollway uh, to kind of measure the impact of what the pandemic is doing politically, industrially, to the ag economy, uh, to people's lives. And now we move down to southern Illinois to the Carbondale Murfreesboro region. And joining me on the phone is Molly Parker. She's a journalist and investigative reporter for this Southern Illinois. And Molly, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing good, but I have to admit I am a bit jealous because I imagine 17th Street Barbecue is doing uh, pickup orders that you can uh, take out from there. And uh, I I could use a a little bit of some ribs and uh, that new uh, Apple City Barbecue sauce right about now. Well, that's right. I think you can order it online. They may deliver it to your doorstep. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> do. They they do, but it's got a hefty, hefty price tag because they do it fresh. I can't imagine. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I guess it's just what it's worth. <laughs> that's well. When we can travel freely again and businesses are open, I'll be I'll be restocking. That's for sure. But uh, amen. Th- thank you so much for joining me and. I, I, as I said in kind of the the predicate to this, is just, you know, we already know about the political polarization that is longstanding in this state that only seems to have gotten, you know, worse over time. And it to me, it seems like the the coronavirus sets up a, a perfect storm for that kind of political divisiveness. In that, you know, people are hunkered into their their homes. Uh, they're being told, ordered not to, you know, you can't do X, Y, and Z, ordered to shut your business, that, you know, if you're from uh, deep down state, this is like the worst thing you can imagine is the orders being delivered on a daily basis from a podium at the Thompson Center in Chicago. Yeah, I, I think the optics of that are, are tough. Um, not to say that people aren't taking it seriously, but there's definitely a lot of uh, mistrust of Illinois government in general. And and when the leadership is so far away, I think that adds to it. I I was going to say, but I mean, don't you feel that it's, it's kind of heightened a little bit in this, in this pandemic atmosphere that we're in? Oh, certainly. I, I think a lot of those divisions and are on display a lot of, a lot of, uh, economic concerns down here of course as there always are and then yeah i think feeling like the the daily message and the orders are coming down from you know 300 miles away just adds to that divide that like you said that's been there that's always been there um but rarely have we seen the stakes so high both health-wise and for our for our long-term economic viability i think all of that just really heightens what was already there below the surface what is life like on the uh, illinois 13 corridor well i mean 
it's it's slow here, of course. Everybody's like you said, hunkered down and 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 at home. Uh, while we may have growing political dissatisfaction here, I think that's obvious in the daily headlines of this official speaking out and that official saying, "I'm not going to enforce this order." Um, I will say, by and large, people are closed down. They are home. Um, you know, we don't have, uh, despite a lot of. Uh, noise being made about it. I, you don't see just mass uh, uh, rebellion necessarily in terms of businesses reopening. We've had a few here and there. I think they've had a few in various parts of the state, you know, central Illinois. And uh, certainly we've had a few people take that stand here, open up temporarily. I think we had a place in Heron over uh, Friday that, you know, a little eatery opened for a little bit. The health department said, you need to close down. And and he did close down, um, but spoke out about it in the media and said he wanted to make a point. Um, so, you know, I, life here is probably reflective of what it is like throughout a lot of places. But I, I do think you're, you're starting to see more people question some of what's going on, especially adding to the frustration is the fact that our border states um, are opening up at least moving through these phases that are not unlike Illinois, but moving through them much sooner. So you're seeing Kentucky start to open up some businesses in Indiana. Um, and as you know, Rick, when you're down here and it's rural, you know, it's not uncommon for people, especially when you kind of head south of Carbondale to go to Paducah. Sure. I was just uh, going to say for their business or for work or yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, the easy, the easy trip over to Paducah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I mentioned to uh, Congresswoman LaHood earlier too is that, and and I'm I'm supposing here, but that when you're in this urban setting of Chicago, that the the coronavirus kind of it's 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 constantly kind of in your face. You know, you're wherever you go, it's the the masks, it's the number of people, it's the news that's nonstop, and that. I'm not sure that it's necessarily uh, that much of a, a driver downstate. I mean, obviously people know what it is, but that it's not like in your face, if you know what I mean. No, I do. And I think you're right. I think it's probably, you know, everything's relative to where you sit. Um, certainly if you're here, you might you might feel like it's in your face because it is on the news every day. It is. Uh, you know, we have had some pretty big outbreaks. We have some of the counties, you just look at a single county, some of the highest uh, per capita infection rates in the state of Illinois. Um, you know, Randolph County comes to mind as one because they right. uh, they've been really hit hard with at Gilster Mary Lee, which is a food manufacturer, uh, sort of like they make a lot of shelf-stable foods. Um, not uncommon to what's going on at the meat, meat packers and processing centers once they started testing there. You know, they found out gosh, you know, half of people have it here. Um, so we've had problems and it's certainly been in the news, but, you know, we haven't had the maybe mass hospitalizations. And uh, while we have had deaths, at, they've been isolated at nursing homes and, and it hasn't been as maybe as shocking or as in your face, like you said, as it probably is in Chicago. So I, I'm sure there are I'm sure there are definitely differences in how people are perceiving what's happening. Um, our hospitals are furloughing people. They're lay, not laying off, but a lot of our hospital systems have put people on furlough now for months. Um, so, you know, I think people are just seeing that happening and, and having maybe some questions about, uh, 
what it is that we should be doing and how we should be responding. Um, and I think the economic uncertainty here is as high as I've ever seen it because one thing about Southern Illinois is it seems like it's always sort of on the fragile edge of, you know, well, if we lose sure. one thing, we're always, uh, we've lost coal mines, you know, back in the day, we're always worried about SIU shrinking, lose manufacturing. Um, so small businesses are certainly the backbone of what we have left. And these aren't rich people, you know, I mean, sure, there are some people that have money, but for the most part, uh, what's making Southern Illinois stick together is just a bunch of, uh, you know, mom and pop type shops. People have put their whole whole life livelihood on the line. And so you can understand why, uh, I think, for those folks that um, they're starting to have maybe questions, especially like, as I said, you can get to Cape Girardeau in 45 minutes. You can get to Paducah, Kentucky in an hour. You can get to Evansville, Indiana in two hours. Um, and those places are open. Um, so I, I definitely think that's top of mind for people is, you know, certainly the health concerns, but also what's going to be left of us down here um, if we can't start to do some return to, uh, you know, businesses reopening at some point. We're speaking with Molly Parker. She's a journalist and investigative reporter at the Southern Illinoisan based in Carbondale. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. on this Sunday Mother's Day evening. I'm Rick Pearson. This is your Sunday Spin. I'm in the WGN Skyline studio on Michigan Avenue. And joining me on the phone is Molly Parker, a reporter and investigative reporter at the Southern Illinois newspaper down in, uh, obviously, Southern Illinois, the newspaper based in Carbondale. And uh, we're concluding our conversation here about uh, a thematic show about voices from downstate. And, uh, you know, Molly, before we went to break, you were talking about, you know, this this realization of people about, you know, what what's the future going to be like? And, you know, this is this is in, in rural southern Illinois. I mean, that's been an, a constant conversation for decades um as and, and you know wondering you know is anybody in the rest of the state listening to us uh as factories leave as the coal mines closed um you know you you look at you've done some outstanding work when you look at public housing issues down in uh down in cairo and uh you know what what what's what's left of cairo you know uh, yeah, right. Not a lot, right? I mean, not a lot. And it's not just Carol. It's the whole, uh, especially when you look south of Anna, you know, you get way down in southern Illinois. People in Anna say they feel like, uh, you know, if you live south of Anna, they say they really feel forgotten. If you live south of I-64, that's maybe a feeling you have. And the, the further south you go, the stronger the sentiment uh, seems to be about feeling unheard or, uh, you know, just the, and that that follows. That makes sense. That the more the the economy and uh, the job centers uh, go away, uh, the more desperate people feel, and, and sort of like no one's listening. Um, do you think, uh, in talking to folks, do, do do they feel that the the government's been responsive in this? Uh, you know, to to what's going on, do they feel that the government's responsive, or or is it just a or is it more of a hindrance? I think they feel like 
what I sense is that in the early days of the order, when it started, I actually felt like most people were generally on board. We were, you know, everyone is kind of beginning to understand, okay, what does this mean? It was a novel. What do we need to do? It was I kind think. of a novel situation nobody had been in. So, you know, it was shared experience. Right. And it was obvious that things were going bad, right? And I think people did understand that. I Obviously, you have, you know, people on the fringes who continue to believe this isn't real or some sort of, you know, conspiracy to cause economic damage you know none of that really makes sense but i just because the, the fringes are loud on facebook i don't think that was the overwhelming sentiment but i have noticed a growing uh, discontent maybe with people feeling like the governor isn't listening to what's going on here um and you know whoever you fault uh, maybe it's the folks that are pushing back the lawmakers um and others you know uh, again we don't i guess there is no perfect, clear roadmap here about how to move forward. But as these other states, like I said, that surround us take a really a pretty dramatically different approach. I think that's just getting much, much stronger and is more of a mainstream uh, sentiment, if you will, that the government, you know, the governor and the government maybe aren't fully tapped into how people feel here or what they feel is at risk. Um, and, you know, I think on the flip side, you could also maybe point at the governor's office and say uh, part of being able to get buy-in is the ability to explain that, right, and is to reach people. And I think when people feel like so much of the message is Chicago-centric, um, you know, even if he is right about what we should be doing down here, that sort of communicating that even through the media or uh you know, making your staff available to explain exactly why this policy and why it's different than, you know, other states and, and what the metrics mean. Um, I'm not sure that that is being relayed to the common person in Southern Illinois. And so, again, I think uh, people, when they don't feel like they understand it, the natural inclination is to say they're not listening and, hey, we're going to do our own thing. And so I think that's what you're starting to see is people starting to test the waters of, well, what happens if we just do our own thing? Well, and I have to say, I was kind of curious how, you know, in, in the governor rolling out this plan and, and how these, you know, obviously large regions uh, and, and the governor had talked about, you know, regionalization as part of a reopening plan and, and how, you know, people that live in rural parts of the state, the, the distances are greater. You know, it's not as concentrated as in urban areas. And given some of the kind of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of pushback, uh, I thought that there might be a, a bigger accommodation to places downstate and, and downstate counties than what ultimately we saw in this plan. And I think you know, just as a kind of a pressure safety valve kind of situation. And I'm not sure that uh opening some state parks or allowing uh two people in a boat or going fishing and uh, i'm not sure that 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 releases much of a of the pressure valve there no and i think that's why you're again you're just starting to hear a drumbeat of people speak out i mean um and you know hairdressers for one and and i've seen the meme you know people say oh well, you want to sacrifice lives to get your hair cut but you know, on the other hand, we're talking about people who, again, you live in a rural area, uh, they don't make a lot of money anyway. A lot of these 
hairdressers and barbershop owners or sole proprietors, you know, uh, they haven't been able to access unemployment. I interviewed a lady in Harrisburg. She's a single mom with two kids. She's a barber, which is really cool. I think and unique for a woman mm-hmm. um, has all, all male clientele. And anyway, but she would, you know, she's struggling to pay the rent. She, she may now have been able to finally access the unemployment, but she wasn't able to uh, as of like early May when I talked to her because of the whole issue with the, the redo on the unemployment system. And I, she's like, I don't have money. You know, I've, I'm not some big corporation begging to reopen. I have no money. And I, you know, from her perspective was, What's going to, you know, and she was very into the stay-at-home order. She said, I wanted to do my part. I still want to do my part. She said, but they're telling me I can open up, you know, possibly we'll be able to do barbershops on May 29th, right? And she said, what's going to be the big difference between now and May 29th in our region? Um, and I, I think people are asking some legitimate questions um, when we start to allow this slow reopening of some barbershops, some retail um, how is the picture in Southern Illinois going to be dramatically different today with the coronavirus than than it will be in three weeks? Um, we're always going to still have this issue of a rural hospital network that doesn't have a huge surge capacity. But when you look at the governor's, uh, you know, map, like you said, it's huge. It, it's I don't know how many counties is in our southern region, more than 20. Um, it runs from, you know, the the Indiana border to the Missouri border, it it doesn't also account for the fact that in this rural region, we're far more apt to seek serious medical care outside the state. So if you're, like I said, kind of south of Anna region in the bottom seven, you might be going to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. You might be going to Paducah, Kentucky. Um, Hardin County, for instance, really rural, really small, has a hospital with one ICU bed. Um, but the hospital director told me, he said, even in normal times, we're not seeing people with serious problems. Yes, we have one ICU bed, we have one ventilator, but we, we've we never had the capacity for somebody whose medical situation is escalating. Um, so, you know, and we all kind of know that about our hospital systems. If you've got a broken leg or a sprained ankle, you might go to your, you know, your county hospital or your city hospital. But if you're having a serious crisis, you're going to be in Carbondale or you're going to be in St. Louis or you know, Cape Girardeau or Paducah, depending on where you live, or Evansville, Indiana, if you're over on the uh, kind of eastern border right. of, of southern Illinois. No, and, and you, you actually do raise a good point, which I, I neglected to mention, was that issue of, you know, obviously the, all along the governor said this was all predicated on uh, uh, hospital capacity and capability and that kind of thing. And it, it truly did neglect uh, obviously, some of the more regionalized medical centers, like you know, if 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 you're you're in the metro east area and you're serious, you need to go to St. Louis. You know, you're Evansville, right? St. And that could be for better or for worse in terms of reopening. You know, I mean, not if you're in the metro east area, it might mean you can't reopen as early. Um, the metro east area is tied into this whole huge rural southern Illinois belt. But yeah, you know, if, if St. Louis is having a serious outbreak, that's more. Uh, important to people in that, you know, that would be fed into that hospital district in St. Louis than it is maybe somebody in Mount Carmel who's going to Evansville if they have, you know, a serious crisis. So, I don't know, just some of the questions that I've heard uh, people talking about. I've I've also wondered too if if just if it wouldn't maybe for you know the optics of, of Pritzker coming downstate and doing his daily briefing. Um, I mean, I know he was very early on 
uh, he was downstate talking, I believe, to local health departments. I, I'm not sure if he was in Harrisburg or somewhere uh, in Williamson County or, or something along those lines. But, I mean, just something, you know, to to not, not have that kind of uh, being dictated to from Chicago kind of look. Well, I, I think the governor's office, I'm mean, not, you know, not on me to tell them how to get their message across. Sure, but understood. I, I've talked to mayors who believe that, that the governor's message may backfire, that if he can't figure out a way to connect, whether it's coming down here. I mean, I understand the issues with travel. I mean, maybe travel that's, and health, absolutely. you know, helpful, maybe not. Of course, we understand we're not supposed to be traveling, so I get why he might be, you know, hesitant to do that. But but in some way, I you know, I, I had an interview with his chief of staff on Friday, and I posed that question. Um, at what point is it, you know, it's easy to say the governor every day when he's asked, you know, the East Peoria mayor says this, the Harriman mayor says this, the energy mayor is not going to follow your order. And he always responds to it in a kind of, well, you know, shame on them. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's inappropriate. But at the same time, at some point, if you're losing the ability to be, you know, to manage the people you're trying to govern, um, in mass numbers, I wonder at what point is that also on the person delivering the message? Um, because that message is only as powerful it is, as it is for people to buy into it, right? I mean, that's, that's part of it. You can be right, but if no one trusts you, believes you, thinks you're listening to them, what good are you doing? Yeah, and, and sometimes the, the data, the message of the data just sounds cold and and kind of flat and, and just a recitation of numbers very tragic numbers as they are but it doesn't um doesn't offer uh, empathy sometimes yeah i think it, it's been a an interesting exercise uh certainly to watch the governor's press conference I, and you know i will say i, I do appreciate it before that they do that i i know they have a lot of areas of the state wanting to get in questions so the ability to get in one question a day, which is pretty what well, I think what any single reporter uh, pretty well has the ability to do. But that isn't necessarily a great place for really deeply understanding what's going on. Um, you know, I, we've got a you know fifty questions ranging from what does this mean to are you going to allow more than two people in a boat? I mean, it's it's not necessarily a place to really kind of get a good grasp on you know why we're doing the things we're doing and and what does this mean to the you know barbershop owner in Harrisburg and can you explain to her why you know she shouldn't be able to be open but right across the state line someone doing her exact same job uh, some should t- be open and and yeah. No, I was going to say sometimes those those briefings are, are another example of why it's never pleasant to watch the sausage being made. <laughs> it can <laughs> there there's a certain part of this you really don't want to see. We'll we'll get to the highlights. Uh, well, Molly Parker uh, from the Southern Illinois, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks for having us, Rick. I really appreciate you, uh, folks, in on downstate. It means a lot to us.